0: A small language warning here. We're going to be talking about our frustrations with online spaces, so that will lead to swearing. Once upon a time, the internet felt like a place of wonder, didn't it? You could connect with friends and family and weird tribes. You could find almost anything you wanted to search for. People discovered whole communities that they'd never had access to before. All of those things are still possible, but these days the search results seem less useful and social media is basically little glimpses of your family and friends sandwiched between great slabs of ads and promoted accounts. Corey Doctorow is not surprised by this. He's an author, activist and journalist and a special advisor to the Electronic Frontier Foundation. In his latest book, The Internet Con, he argues that we're all basically hostages being held to ransom by our digital overlords. Corey, welcome to Life Matters. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. Tell me you're thinking about this cycle where a site or a platform goes from being useful to not so useful to completely awful. Why does that happen?
1: Yeah, yeah, here's where your content warning comes in because I have a funny name for this. I call it in shittification. It's uh, a memorable name and I'm quite enjoying listening to radio hosts and academics grapple with it. So. The the cycle looks like this. Uh, in the first instance, you have these platforms. Platforms are like the the majority of businesses on the internet. We we used to think the internet would disintermediate all those uh, middlemen, and it did. And then it replaced them with new ones, and we call them platforms. And and the platform first thing it does is it treats its end users well. It uses its investors' cash to treat them well. So think about when Facebook popped up and first opened up to people who who weren't American college kids who were their first users. They said. Um, hey, uh, come use Facebook. Uh, I, I know all your friends are on MySpace, but it's owned by uh, an evil, crapulent, senescent Australian billionaire named Rupert Murdoch, and he's spying on you all the time. And uh, Facebook is much better. We won't ever spy on you. All you do is you show up here, tell us who matters to you, and we'll just show you what they post. And that was their pitch. And the users came in, and they locked themselves in. Different platforms had different lock-in strategies. Facebook had it easy. Um, once you're on Facebook because your friends are there, and then other people join because you're there, it it's going to be really hard for all of you to agree to, to go somewhere else. And so once Facebook knows that it's going to be able to keep your business even if it changes the bargain and makes things worse for you, it starts to take away that surplus it gave you and give it to the business customers, advertisers, and publishers so it says to the advertisers hey do you remember when we told these fools that we were never going to spy on them we are spying on them and we will target your ads for you to uh, fare thee well uh we've got a building full of engineers to so make sure there's no ad fraud and it's going to be cheap as anything and then to the publishers they said do you remember when we told these people would we'll only show them what they asked to see well that was a lie too you know if you put your own content on we'll quote unquote recommend it to them which is Facebook speak for, like, non-consensually cramming it into their eyeballs. And, you know, all you need to do, publishers, is put a little link down at the bottom, and, and we'll just send traffic your way. You can monetize it however you want. And so the publishers, the advertisers got locked in and the ads got more expensive and the ad fraud became more common. And if publishers wanted their stuff to be uh, shown even to their subscribers, much less to as a recommendation, they had to put more and more of it up there until eventually it was the whole article. And then even worse, uh, if you had a link back to your own website, they would suppress it because, well, that link might be malicious. And then even worse, even if you were just posting the whole article, you had to pay to boost it to your own audience. And this is the final stage of insurance identification, where the surpluses are withdrawn from the business customers and the end users, and the company tries to leave just enough residual value in that everyone stays locked in, but everything else is handed to the shareholders. And the problem with this is, is it's a very brittle equilibrium. you know The difference between, God, I hate this, but I can't bring myself to stop using it, and oh my gosh, why am I still here? I'm going. It's just like one giant privacy scandal or a live stream mass shooting or a whistleblower, and then people just bolt for the exits. And when that happens, the tech platforms, they've got a cute name for what they do. They call it pivoting. Um, You or I would call it panicking. And the Facebook pivot is the declaration that the era of social media is over and we have entered the era in which a tech company will convert us all to a legless, sexless, heavily surveilled, low polygon cartoon characters in a virtual world they stole from a quarter century old cyberpunk novel. And that's the metaverse. And, and that's when the whole thing just turns into a pile of shit. That's, that's where we're at now with all of the platforms in decline as they all pull the rug out from under us at once. And the expectation that we won't leave because there's nowhere else to go.
0: Well, and we won't be dissing any quarter century old cyberpunk novels here on Life Matters with Cory Doctorow. But I mean, it's comforting (laughs) to think that the advertisers are being shafted as much as the users. But the end point of that cycle that you outline in your book, The Internet Con, is and then that platform dies. Why aren't they dying?
1: Well, they're they're um, getting pretty close, right? Like, I think a lot of us are at the point where we just don't know why we're using them, and all it takes is one good push to, to knock them off their perch. What they have are, are enormous monopoly winnings from the era in which they were being good to us and weren't having the law enforced against them. Uh, historically, these companies would have been uh, forced to die when competitors emerged because they would have been prohibited from buying those competitors. R- recall that Mark Zuckerberg woke up at 2.30 in the morning and sent a panicked email to to his CFO saying, you know, I know you think we're paying too much for Instagram, but you have to understand people don't like Facebook anymore. They like Instagram now. And we need to make sure that if they leave Facebook, they don't really leave Facebook. They end up on Instagram. Hilariously, Zuckerberg then uh, called or sent another email to his uh, CFO. Shortly thereafter, presumably after he'd had a stern talking to from the chief counsel at Facebook, where he said, you know, just for avoidance of doubt, Tony, I just want you to understand. I, I didn't mean that uh, we're, we're trying to suppress competition. That would be illegal and I would never suggest it. I believe <laughs> in a robust capitalist market, you know, with all the sincerity of someone in a hostage video being forced to praise Chairman Mao or something. But um, but but uh, these platforms normally they would have just been supplanted by better ones, just like MySpace died. Um, they're on life support because they have these giant war chests, because they've been able to buy better companies, um, and and because they've been able to stave off uh, regulatory enforcement. You know, in Europe, they passed the General Data Privacy Regulation, and Facebook and Google have just thumbed their nose at it for a decade. Uh, but, you know, there's a reckoning coming. We are at a a, a turning point for how we think about competition in the world, Um, uh, Australia's Competition Authority, the British Competition Authority, the American Federal Trade Commission and Department of Justice, and the Competition Bureau in Canada, where I'm from, which has been in a coma for 40 years, they're they're all waking up and and um, leaning into this project of doing something about monopoly.
0: Corey, I wish we had hours to talk, but we've got three minutes. And you argue that interoperability is the solution because computers aren't you know there's no mechanical reason we can't uh, make the platforms talk to each other. It's about policy. What would it look like in practice? Sure. Well, think about how if you get uh, um, teed off with your phone company, you
1: just switch carriers and your phone number comes over. All your friends can keep talking to you. They may not even know that you've changed carriers. There's no reason the social media can't work like that as a technical matter. Um, and, you know, the hope is that if the Digital Markets Act in the European Union and other proposals around the world come through, and we force these companies to let you switch from one platform to another, including new ones that are run by nonprofits and communities that are responsive to users like the Mastodon servers that are popping up everywhere, that this might make them treat you better. And at the very least, if it doesn't, it'll let you go somewhere else. Ultimately, the problem with a service like Facebook or or, uh, Twitter is not that Mark Zuckerberg or, or Elon Musk is the wrong person to be in charge of hundreds of millions or billions of people's online lives. It's that nobody should have that job. There just isn't a three-ring binder thick enough to encompass all the policies that encompass all the interactions between millions and billions of people speaking a thousand languages in a hundred countries uh and so you know it's it's time to start thinking about abolishing these platforms rather than making them better uh evacuating them rather than making them safer for the people who stay at a certain point we just have to say this whole thing was a mistake and the only reason it's it's been around as long as it has is they've been able to impose costs on the people who leave. They've been able to make it so that if you leave you can't talk to the people you love, the customers you depend on, the communities you're part of. And if we make that easier, if we make it easier to just drive off and go somewhere else but not have to cut your ties, that people will vote with their feet. And go somewhere else.
0: There's always been that tension, though, hasn't there, since the internet started, between people thinking, great, free and open digital spaces are our right, and people saying, this is a business, just shut up. Will we ever have a free internet? Well, I think the fact that this is a
1: business is not your concern or mine. After all, they're not a charity. Um, yes, the maybe the people who run these firms have an obligation to maximize return to their shareholders, but you don't share that obligation. Um, you know, you're not under any obligation to hand them your money if they're not making a good value proposition. I think we can have a free, fair, and open internet, uh, and more importantly, I think we must. Um, you know, we're facing a bunch of really important problems right now: the climate emergency. You were just talking about gender inequity, gender expression problems, problems of race and, and inequality. All of those are more important than the internet, but as someone who spent more than his share of time cycling around Toronto, wheat pasting posters, trying to get people out for a demonstration up on, on telephone poles, I'm here to tell you that the internet is the terrain on which we are going to win or lose all those other battles. And so we need a free, fair and open internet Otherwise, those battles will be lost before they're joined.
0: How we get there is a matter of ongoing debate. I wish we had time to talk more about it today, Corey. Thank you so much for joining us on Life Matters. So I briefly.
1: appreciate it. And just to say, the book does lay out a pretty good technical roadmap for how we'll get it. So.
0: Useful to know.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Corey Doctorow is the author of The Internet Con, How to Seize the Means of Computation, pretty clearly pegging his colours to the flagpole there.
1: Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy.